0: Next podcast, uh, where we interview players in the youth uh, basketball, sports scene, tennis scene, whatever scene that uh, youth partake in when it comes to sports. That's what we do. This is our platform. Last week, we interviewed the great Gary Charles of New York Panthers. And this week, we have Bronx's own, Brooklyn's own, Harlem's own, New York City Zone uh, book Richardson, my man, um, who I've known for a long time and who's been my comrade in the game. So welcome, Book.
1: Welcome to the show. Jamal, thank you. Lid, thank you so much. I appreciate uh being on here. I'm I'm humbled to to even that you consider me to be on your your podcast. So thank you.
2: And you, you represent all the boroughs, huh?
1: Yeah, was born in Queens, lived in Brooklyn. Lived in Harlem, Bronx. You know, went to school in the Bronx. So, you know, every, every borough except except Staten Island. So, but but right, I respect right. those guys. I've been out there a couple of times. So, right 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 right. I
0: respect right. them. Shout out to Wu Tang. But go ahead. Yes. <laughs>
2: so what's up, man? Um, let us know what you're up to now, and then we you know we want to kind of get into how you got in the game in the first place.
1: Right now, I'm currently I'm the director of the uh, New York City Gauchos um, on the boys' side. So um Earl Elliott is actually the director on the girl side, but also the overall director. So that's who I report to directly. Um and just here coaching uh the the I guess it's the eighth grade team, which is the 2025, all all, all of that stuff. Like I I get so caught up on where uh you know the numbers like I I just don't know if you're in the eighth grade, you're in eighth grade, but there's right. such a phenomenon that's that's happening, you know, I guess with the, the whole reclassification thing. So I'm trying to put my finger on it and, and see, um, you know, not not trying to, not trying to dismiss it, but understand that you know it, it's 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 real and it's something that you know that that's that has to be addressed.
0: Right.
2: Let me just run down uh, your credentials. You played ball at Florida Atlantic, uh, Monroe College. And in Pittsburgh, Johnstown, you coach. You are head coach at Pittsburgh, Johnstown, assistant coach at Monroe College, and Marist, and Xavier, and Arizona. Obviously, that's big time. Um, in like Saint Raymond's, and Saint Raymond's, another big time program. And you played. I know you played for Riverside Church back in the day, right? I played for the church. Uh huh. So yeah. you know you've done a lot. How did how did you get into you know actually coaching? Were you at were you at the Gauchos before you started? assistant coaching on a, on, on the college level.
1: I was, um, I started coaching, man. It, it was one of those things where I kind of wanted to, I kind of did not want to coach because I didn't want to coach a kid like me. Um, I didn't, you know, there, there, was a lot of things that, that I was trying that I was hiding from. There was a lot of things that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't identify with what was wrong, you know? So through high school, um, through junior high school and high school, I was always blessed with really good coaches really good disciplinarians. But I, like I said, what I thought was right at 13 and 14 versus what I know to be right now, 47 is entirely two different things. And what I was willing to buck, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad and grateful for those guys. So as, as you uh, as I speed this thing up, um, you know, as a point guard in New York city, I think, I think you, you're always a coach on the floor and you go, you know, I play Riverside Church. I played with some some incredible talent, and then guess what? You go to St. Raymond's, and then you're playing with some nationally ranked talent, and you. I think you have to if you want to win. You 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 assimilate, and I was able to assimilate, and you know, win our first city championship in 1991 with and was fortunate enough to play on the same team with Terrence Frencher, who was New York State Player of the Year in 1991. Right. Orlando and T were first team on city. Dan, you know Dana Dingle. Who was also you know all city um danny basil Carl green um you know tyler brown was a sophomore Damien bonaparte you know danny basil trevor redfern those guys i think we had a, a really really good team but in, if i wanted to win it wasn't going to be about me getting 20 a game it was going to be about me getting those guys who were better than me um the ball so i think coaching has always been in my blood especially when you're a point guard mm. and you know, after high school, you know, you, you have some stints in college where it doesn't work out. You know, I was politely asked to leave from Florida Atlantic. Um, and that was probably one of, you know, that as you go through that, that was probably one of the best things that happened to me. But, it, you know, there's a level of humility that you have to deal with when you're, you're kicked out of school. So, um, you know, you fast forward, man, and after college, like I said, I had really good coaches in college. Um, I, I, again, I've been blessed to have some pretty good guys that I, I can emulate. And after college happened, Pitt Johnstown, you know, my college coach, Coach Rukavina, he said, you know, why don't you stay out here? And and you know, again, I wanted to get back to New York. I thought I was missing something. Right. I was missing a fast life. You know, it's what I knew. And he, you know, I, and I think it probably helped me. But it may, you know, if I didn't go back to New York, I, I probably would have been in a much better situation. And I and I say that with all due respect, because I, I I've been um, Allah's blessed me with mm-hmm. with what with what He's already given me in terms of coaching in life. So um, you fast forward again, and now I'm with the gauchos, you know, I, I get back from Pitt Johnstown. I have a real job. I'm doing investment banking at, at, uh, uh, at J.P. Morgan Chase, and 9-11 happens. And at that point, after 9-11 happens, my, my team, my specialized investment team was let go. And I went to teach, I had no credentials, but I walked in and uh, it was like, hey, you're a black man. You're going to teach second grade. There's usually never any black male teachers right? So no credentials, but that's what I got the job. And what that did was it gave me the autonomy to now be able to coach basketball. And I, I was coaching at St. Raymond's. I was coaching at Monroe Community College. And it was it, it was it was weird for me because it was two places that I had played and had success at as a player. So now you come full circle and it's like, you know, I'm kind of managing guys. I'm not coaching but just knowing who who better to relate with these guys that and because you've been through it and uh, then you get the gauchos and like I said I had a, a young group but they was really talented I didn't you know I didn't know who they were I just I was going to coach them and I was going to coach them a certain way and they allowed me to coach them so you know that that happened and a couple of years went by and I um, started doing some camp stuff and Rob Kennedy, a hoop group was like, I think you're pretty good. Hey, would you want to coach in college? I said, I guess so. He said, um, there's two openings, one at Iona and you know, the whole staff at Marist. I said, all right, I interviewed and I got the job at Marist. And like I said, I I just, uh, as you go from there, then I'm at Marist for, for a year. And I'm like, I don't like the business of it because I felt I could help more kids and grassroots. So I leave and that was, I think that's a in new sin, especially for a black assistant coach. When you leave, not when they ask you to leave, but when you leave, mm. it's one of those things. See, I told you, he, he doesn't want to do this. The work's too hard, he can't do it. And it had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with, you know, um, I, I, was in a, I was in a car accident at Marist and I was rear-ended and the call was totaled. And the AD at the the AD, I guess, maybe he was making jokes. He said, you know, he never asked about me. He said, how's the car? Mm. And when that got back to me, it just was like, you kidding me? (laughs) Right. So Uh, I go go back and now I become the director of the Gauchos. I have a team that I helped raise and I'm watching and I'm saying like, you know, you got a kid by the name of Timber Walker, who's a rising sophomore. Jordan Theodore, rising sophomore. Daryl Truck Bryant, rising sophomore. Durant Scott rising freshman, Chris Fouch rising sophomore, and you just start to say, "Man, those guys are pretty good." I, did did I think they were as good as as advertised? No, you know. Again, I'm 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 am an old degenerate coach,
0: right. so
1: I don't see it. And that group on the two years, oh, I want to say they lost one major tournament in two years, wow. and they were they, they, we were crowned the, the the team of the summer, one of those summers, and I was like, okay. But as I mentioned, that group, you have the player of the year in the Big East, Kimber Walker, player of the year in the ACC, um, Duran Scott, all-league Big East guy, John Theodore, all-league Big East guy, Truck Bryant, probably player of the year in, in, in the Colonial Athletic Association, Chris Fouch. And was really fortunate, to for that team to be good. They were good for that team to be great. I had assistance from Khalid Green and in and, and the in this planet of Brooklyn, because they allowed me to come and have and, and take Kevin Phillip and Danny Jennings from Staten island mm-hmm. and it was it was synergy because that's the one thing we didn't have we didn't have legitimate post guys who you know especially with the way we played, so we became good and we went to great because you got now two six eight stud enforcers who can really play who are Division one guys who by the way, Danny goes to West Virginia and Kevin goes to Drexel.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: So on one team, you, you're talking about, you know, seven, eight division one guys. And I'm missing like Curtis Loving. I'm missing Snacks, you know, Charles Joseph. I'm right. missing Deb Hill who went to DePaul. So that's no disrespect to them. But that that's kind of what, what we had. And um, you have, you know, tremendous success. I, I actually coached USA basketball under 19 um, Olympic Festival and was the I think I'm the I think I'm the youngest black head coach and the only AAU black head coach um, to win a goal for whatever that means. But that, 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 that culminated our summer
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'd taken a job after, you know, after that summer, I, I'd taken a job with Xavier and, 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 uh, and the rest, you know, as, as we go, we get now, you know, we fast forward and you know dealing with the scheme and now this. Right. Right.
2: What uh? What made you go back to assistant coaching? Because you had left Marist. Who who was the head coach at Marist when you were there? Matt Brady. Okay. Matt and then, and then you so you leave and you you go to the Gauchos, have great success. What what made you go back to college coaching?
1: Um, the fact of the matter that I didn't have health insurance. I didn't have you know medical insurance. I you know that that was something that especially you know growing up in so many boroughs and so, so many different places. Um, I just thought about survival. I didn't necessarily think about what it took to survive. I just thought about surviving. So, um, you know, coaching college basketball gave me an opportunity to do more than survive, to Give me an opportunity to take care of, of, of my family and myself and, and, and be able to say, hey, you know what? You are going, you know, crazy trying to keep a program that there, you know, there is it's, it's no rules. You know, if, if if a kid travels with you one day, he comes back, he can travel with Khalid. Like, there's no rules. You know, only right. thing we do is call one another, but what are you going to do, say he can't play? Yes, he or she right, can't right. play. So, you know, it was one of those things where it, it was out of necessity and it was out of progression because that's what, you know, everyone told me that's what the progression was. I, I didn't know what the progression was. I, I didn't know any assistant coaches. And actually, sorry, Tony Childs and, and, and Chucky e. Martin, you know, th- those are two guys that that uh, like my big brothers in this game. But I, I didn't know, you know, I, I just was like, yo, I'm going to – they—they're telling
0: me I'm good. I guess I'm good. I, I didn't know. Right. You went on, had great success with Xavier. We know that. Um, I'm going to say it for you at Arizona. They don't even get any near the success of that they had without you bringing in those players. I remember you had Kevin Perron and and uh, even Momo, right? Mhm. Momo. Kevin, right. Well, you—you recruited Rondé, who was with the Nets. So yeah. after that, we go, We get to where we are now, not trying to skip over, but we get to where we are now. And I looked at a stat that my brother sent me and it said that the majority of assistant coaches, what is it, the number of assistant coaches in, the, in college is 56% yeah. uh, are black and only 24% out of 2018 uh, are black head coaches. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, that was your goal while you were there. Um, Talk about, you know, how you might have had some obstacles to get to becoming a head coach before even the scandal happened. So, even trying to be a head coach,
1: you know, if if you're not viewed as that, it doesn't matter what you do. Someone else has to make you a head coach. Mm -hmm. And especially when, you know, hey, when you get labeled a recruiter, because I never raised my hand and said, hey, I'm the recruiter. I never said that.
0: Right. I just,
1: hey, I'm gonna do my job. And I thought that there was no agent that I could get that could help me become a head coach, other than my boss, because he knows me. He he knows my strengths, he knows my weaknesses. So, you know, what you what 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 you always fail to realize as an AAU guy, right? You're coming in, oh, he just gets kids. He's a body snatcher. He's just recruiting. And they never give you the credit for, man, that guy's pretty smart. Man, he knows what he's talking about. Man, he can get a guy better. It's you just get players and then it's like, that's the hardest thing to do. Right. To get one player, to get right. one win. Right, right. Like if, if it was so simple, everyone would do it. But what you do is to become a head coach, um, you have to dress a certain way. You got to look a certain way, right? You don't, you know, Hey, there's no heavy head coaches. So it's like, oh man, I gotta lose weight. And, and, and you just start to say like, as, I, as you buy into all of that, you know, I, I get it. You know, you, you, you are the CEO of a fortune 500 corporation. And they want you to look a certain way, and that—that's extremely fair. But think of this: most of the times, you know, they say the minority spot. So if I'm on, a, if I'm on the bench, am I, am I the, the token black guy? Okay, well, no, book, you're not the token. We're not saying that. Well, then what am I? If this is the minority position, right. so that means you're only hiring me because I'm the minority. Okay, so now you know, as you fight that, no, it's not that. It's not that. You know, you you start to fight. Hey, well these these meetings that are being had with, with everyone else but you. Oh, that's not true. That's not true. So what happens? Who do you bond to? You bond to the kids. And hmm. now guess what? Well, hey, he doesn't, you know, he, he's a recruiter. And and that's I don't think there's anyone that's ever gone into college basketball or anything to say, hey, I'm the recruiting coach. Right. Knowing, knowing that's what gets the most attention. And Again, I'm, you know, you do your best to be a team player, but there's a level of envy. There's 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 a level of envy because your relationships um, where you, you know, the majority of, of, of the African-American, um, the, the majority of, of African-American coaches, you know, they, they can compete. I mean, they, they can actually um, relate to those, those kids, right? I, I remember having a conversation with, with, with the coach, you know who who's a, a white assistant coach and I said you know hey if you're recruiting a kid you 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 should try to just see you know what they're talking about when they when they talk about the movie straight out of Compton right right and that coach was like well I'm not going to really deal with popular culture with them and I said well you're not going to get the kid right, right. it can't always be basketball i'm going to help you get better at basketball you're telling a McDonald's all American you're going to help him get better right right, <laughs> right. We did a great job of identifying talent. You know, you do a great job of identifying talent, you know, and, and I'm not saying we didn't, at, at Arizona, we did not develop guys because I think we did an awesome job. I think Sean does an awesome job. I think our staff did an awesome job of, of developing guys. You know, we talked about our style of play. But, you know, you start, you know, plugging in Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Stanley Johnson, you know, Derek Williams, Larry Marketing, Aaron Gordon, you know, Brandon Ashley, Grant Jarrett. Caleb Tarzewski, TJ McConnell. Right. Guys and, and TJ's the only one off the cusp. But everyone else I mentioned was a McDonald's All American or or, or or borderline. Right. So, you know, I and I and I try not to discredit, but I just say, you know, as an assistant coach, sometimes, you know, when 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 you've been someplace for a long time, they think, oh man, well, you know, that that's what he wants it to be. And it's like you you don't know, you know, because your are lo- like my loyalty would get in the way. Like, hey, no, I'm you no, know, I'm I'm loyal to him, you know, to hell with this program. I'm loyal to him and he's gonna let me know when I'm ready. I grew up watching Dean Smith. I grew up watching what happens with the assistant coaches at 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 Carolina. And right. Dean Smith, same thing with Louisville, you know. Coach Patino tells them he's gonna get him a job and, and that's it. You give me you give me the time and I'm gonna give you everything, and you know, then you're gonna be a head coach. And right. and here's the kicker. I'm sorry, Jamal. This I just had to say this. Then, you, you know, let's say you're making 300 grand. Let's say you're making 500 grand, right? That's the most money that, man, legitimately I'm making. And then you go take a head coaching job at 300 grand. So you're saying, I'm going to now take a step back because the jobs that I get as a black, as a black assistant to be a head coach aren't on par with what my white counterparts get.
0: Right,
2: right.
1: So when we talk about systematic oppression, systematic racism, I don't mean to bring that in, but, you know, wh- why is this happening?
2: No, I mean, that's that's a huge part of it, the systematic racism. I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, recruiting and how they try to downplay it. But isn't that, isn't recruiting, that's like the most important job, like Like you say, in terms of getting to know the players, nurturing the players, uh, helping them to to become better players and people. That's what a recruiter kind of does. You have a relationship with the players. So it's funny how uh, they try to, and, and, Talent is the most important thing in the game. Period. period. We all know that. Period. So, so it's we almost all, like the, if I you're doing the counts. recruiting, that you're doing um, you're doing like a bunch of the most important things. So let me ask you this: so is it is it a situation where it's set up from the start? Like when they when they hired you, did you get the feeling that okay, we go? He's just going to be the recruiting guy because he he came from the AAU background. He knows the players. He's just going to be the recruiting guy. Did you were you in situations where other assistants kind of were nurtured differently? Like, oh, let me show you what I'm thinking about offensively or defensively, or is there a difference?
1: I think sometimes, I, I can speak for me, when I came into Xavier, um, Sean did, did the best job of trying to um, assimilate me with everyone. Um, and I and I think my the staff there, Chris Mack, James Whitford, um, I think they tried their best to help me, but I also know like they wanted to be head coaches. And now you're bringing a guy in Who's uh, you know he's he's a New York City guy he's got the ties with with these AAU programs so w- w- was there was there some animosity I I would hope there wasn't but it's human nature you know what do we need him for did they ever say it to me no you know did they ever make me feel that way nah but I, I would just say um, in, in, in some of the conversations it was you know I, I wasn't involved in them and and like I said maybe I needed to be a little bit more assertive or maybe I didn't but I always felt that. Um, and and I just always felt like because of the relationships you have with the players, they kind of look at you like, you know, well, you just better be careful. Don't get too close to them. Or, and it's like, what, what are you talking about? I'm, like these kids look like me. They I've been through what they've gone through. Like I understand when they're hungry because I, I've eaten the same things. And I'm, hell I'm hungry now. So um, I, I've never tried to separate that. And, and I think, you know, part of that, you, you do run into the problem of, well, Hey, go get the players and, 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 you get the players and i coach them up. You go, you know, you go get the talent and, and I'm a nurture and, 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 and I'm, I'm a, I'm i I'm gonna get everything out, out this talent. And it's like, really? Okay. But after a while, a kid, a kid never cares what, you know, mm-hmm. you know he doesn't care what you know. You know, he just wants to know how much you care that that's it. Right. And it can't, oh, it can't always be basketball, it, you know, check on them again popular culture hey you know what straight out of compton man when that was out i was in college man i thought i was crazy man i saw these guys going crazy imagine if you said that to a kid Right.
2: right
1: even if it was like hey man i didn't even understand the movement man that dude ice cube is still around like those are the things where now it's not even about being in the know but you're just sharing some of your your experience it can't be hey come over to my house have dinner with my family that kid is looking like he the kids just looking for acceptance, but he's gonna come over and then he's like he's awkward.
2: Right, right.
1: I'm not saying you got you know you, you got to put on uh, pop smoke. God rest his soul. <laughs> but I'm not, but part of it is that there has to be a level of you know this kid feeling comfortable because he he is on your campus. And I've always said this, especially with the younger guys, they're trying their best to figure things out. So they're gonna say exactly what they
0: want you you know what, what you want to hear. They're not gonna be honest with you, especially if they don't know you. Right. right. This is a, a, a conversation that I kind of can identify with because even in the league, um, when I worked in the league as a scout, they tried to pigeonhole brothers to be, once you're a scout, it's hard breaking out of that scout role. It's very hard breaking out of that scout role unless you have um, a made man in the game that can navigate you through the system. And, and so I, I can identify with what book says also identify with the fact that I was on the phone with, uh, um, uh, when I was writing my book, um, my brother, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say his name, but he's a pro scout and, um, they moved him from, he used to do player development on a particular NBA team. And because he got close with the players, he said that he ran into a lot of jealousy and envy from people in basketball operations which you would think that because that's the role that he was doing. He was doing his job to nurture relationships with these kids, but they got envious with how the relationships grew and, you know, they backed him off <laughs> that role and put him back in pro scouting.
2: Right. So, it's, almost, it's almost like, uh, you know, they view it as the labor. Um, and they, and they're almost like, you know, you're not even really supposed to get too close to them probably because they can't. They can't get as close because they're not, either they're not willing or they just can't, they don't have the capacity to speak on that same level.
1: What, what happens is they don't know, can they trust you? Because guess what, you, you're you now, you see it from a different angle, right? I, if, if a kid is right, he's right. I, I, I would get this all the time. The kids would say, Unk, when you're mad, then, then we know we're in trouble because a lot of the times, if we lost the game and we didn't play the right way, Every everyone would take the tone of the head coach, and it's like that's not life,
2: right?
0: Right,
1: right. I don't know why he's mad. And by the way, if I even if I do know he's mad, we don't have a universal brain,
0: right?
1: Again, how how he handles something versus how I handle it makes us unique. But if the kid is saying I can't talk to you because we lost, then how how do you ever teach?
0: Right, right.
1: And it, it, I'm telling you, it was one of those most. It was the disheartening thing, and 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 I, I had kids just always say like, you know, hey, Unk, man, well, you know, what's the temperature today? I said, I'm good, I'm good, <laughs> right? You know, I, I'm a coach you today as, as as if there was nothing that happened. I I can watch film that I, I can watch film of you, you know, making fifty mistakes. That gives me that gives me fifty things to correct. I'm a teacher.
2: Mm-hmm. Khalid just mentioned the stats, right? You know, I wrote an article for the ESPN The Undefeated. Talking about you know when the whole scheme thing went down, um, Mm -hmm. and you know we'll get to that, but but it was like you know to me it was obvious scapegoating of uh, of black assistant coaches, and so when I started to write that you know I was looking I was I started to look at the statistics, and I was expecting to see uh, even let you know I didn't know that that the percentage of black assistant coaches would be so high. I thought it was going to be low, kind of like the head coach was, but when I saw. Fifty percent, fifty-six percent of assistant coaches were black. I was like, "Wow, they're giving them those jobs, right?" And then, so when you look at and and every assistant coach, I would think their their goal is to become a head coach for the most part. I would assume. And then, so when you see only twenty-four percent of head coaches, half of what assistant coaches are, you know, there's a problem there. So I'm I'm gonna ask you, like, is there anything black, co- like a black coach who becomes an assistant coach? Is there any Advice you have any way to go about it to to in order to make to give you a better chance to become a head coach.
1: Yeah, I I think you have to have you have to have people who are pushing for you. You have to have people on the outside, whether it be media, whether it be social media, who, you know, who who acknowledge what you do. And this and don't always make it about recruiting because the recruiting is going to kind of be understood. But they got you know, you got to be able to have intelligent conversations about, you know, how we defend in the back door. You know, how are we defending this this flare screen? You know, how are we defending this away screen? You got to have be able to have basketball conversations because everyone else just, they may see you on television on the bench and they, you know, you know and, and, and if you don't grandstand, right? If you're not the guy that's up, you know, pointing and being demonstrative, right, right, right. no one's going to know. And when we do that, it is, you know, you show, you're, you're grandstanding, sit down. <laughs> but but, but what they right. do, it. It's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, all men are intense. We're all intense. Passionate, right? right. Yeah, they're passionate. Are they more passionate? No. So, you know, I, I just think, especially with the young, you know, with, with the black assistant coach or assistant coach in general, but but definitely the black assistant coach, man, um, have, having guys that you can talk to, having mentors, you know, that you can talk to who, who, who are coaches or, or who coach. In my um, career, just in terms of my numbers, I really don't have a lot of, you know, I don't have a lot of peers in my group just based on, based on performance, based on what, what's been done. So, you know, I I'm, I'd always say to, you know, to to a young aspiring coach like, "Look, man, here's, here here's some things that make sense, here's some things that don't, and don't put yourself in this situation, you know, make sure you're doing this." But I I think we don't I, I don't think we reach out enough to say, "Hey, how does this look? You know, man, I'm recruiting a kid and he and 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 he asked for money. What would you do?"
2: Right. And you know he needs it.
1: And that and that's I think part of it that's your conversation like, "Hey, man, Did did you promise him? you know, again, if Jamal, if I promised you in in the home visit that I was going to take care of your son and then when he gets on campus and he tells me, he tells you, hey dad, you know, that dude book, man, he told me he's going to take care of me. Well, you know, he said he wasn't going to buy me a car, but what he did say, he's going to make sure I never ate, but now he's telling me that's NCAA rule that he can't feed me. Jamal, you're going to be like, all right. Right. Because we also wonder why, why, why the transfer rates are high because guys aren't transparent and honest. They tell you one thing, and then you get on campus. Hey, I'm telling you, you're going to play 25 minutes a game. Well, coach, you sure? Yeah. And then we put it on a kill. He wasn't that good. You shouldn't have told him that.
2: Right, right. So you do then anything to get start. him. Right, you do anything to get yeah. him, but then you switch it up as soon as he's on campus.
1: Yeah, you got to do everything to keep him. And I think with any relationship that you foster, I think you have to maintain it. And and part of that, you know, part of you maintaining a relationship is how do you keep it? How How do you grow it? Right. right. Or is it on to the next one each year on to the next one? Right. Right.
2: So let's talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, you referenced it, the scheme, the FBI uh, NCAA recruiting scandal, investigation, you know, they went into it talking about they were going to find the deep underbelly issues of, of, of college basketball recruiting. But when they came out of it, you know, all they had was indictments of, 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 I think it was nine or ten total, but seven, seven of the nine were of black, either a black assistant coaches or black runners for for you know Adidas or whatever. And you end, I think you ended up pleading guilty, right? Pled out. You pled out.
1: Pled out, and it was it was weird because you wanted to go to trial. And what I realized again, I I I've never been in the, you know, in the in the justice system. You know, I'm Department of Justice, FBI, Southern District of New York. You know, that's the most powerful office in the, in the world. Right. So my co-defendant, Tony Bland, pleads out and it's like, now what do you do?
2: Right. I mean, so, what did you, yeah. when they first came at you, I mean, I, had to, I would think it had to be a shock because, you know, I mean, this, you, you just doing what.
1: Now, now, here's the thing. <laughs> when they came in at six in the morning with battering rams, that's how they and, did it yeah six in the morning battering rams you know my kids are there and it's always the shock factor right I'm, I want to scare you up but again you're scaring a guy that's 44 years old who's never been incarcerated in his life who's again who's made it out out, out of the you know out of the underbelly for um you know out of the underbelly of, of of the city and 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 you're now saying hey it's the FBI and and I'm saying like I'm a college coach right oh so, now, as, as this happens and, and, you know, the way you get treated, it's just like, really? Really? You know, so I think overall, as as, as like I said, it affects you, you know, just the, I don't think anyone understands the trauma, you know, like to this day, it's, it was three years on three year anniversary of me being arrested, you know, on Sunday. I was a mess. I was in tears. I was hurt. I was crying. I, you know, I, I don't wake up. I don't wake up past 6 a.m. ever in fear that
0: at least I'll be ready if they come this time. Wow. Right. And that's for, not to get political, (laughs) but then you look at our president who (laughs) has been robbing the American country blind with taxes for all these years, and it it, it just shows the, the racial disparity, you know, when it comes to all types of all industries and everything in life, you know, so I know mm-hmm. I, 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 me and you both have had had talks and, you know, uh, I know you've expressed, you know, depression and, you know, I've I really felt that, man, because, you know, I when I see you, I see a brother that like the whole city should be embracing. I mean that from my heart because of what you mean to us. So, you know, when you you the other day you put out a little post about, you know, depression is real basically. And I was like, wow, you know, people don't understand all of the residue that comes from going through the trials and tribulations that that you've gone through, you know, so in the
1: 36 month span, you know, you lose everything. You you lose your family, you lose your wife, you lose your career. Um and and it spirals it's, it's this downward spiral. Of guess what, I already felt less than before this even started, but I was able to be, I was able to maintain it because I'm around people, I'm helping. But now, when you truly have to deal with yourself and 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 you're like, wow, this is, I feel this way, you you know, this I'm d- battling deep depression um, because you feel like you're not you're not good enough, you feel like you never were good enough. You know, I always talked about, you know, my mom had me at 15 years old, and she gave me everything she could give me, but she was still a 15 year old little girl, right. so those issues that I had I couldn't address and I didn't think uh, I, I didn't think you you shared them with anyone I just thought that was normal you know standard operating procedure hey you know what I got you know I got my ass beat today guess what you know hey I'm in the tub and you know it's the extension cord. that, that wasn't abuse like but but now at 47 I would never do that to my kids because because I do know right. and at that time you got a single parent trying to raise a boy in the jungle. Right. It's not the easiest thing to do. And you know when you when I talk about that depression it's something that 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 hits home because I thought that I was less than. I thought that I was weak. You know, I thought that you're not supposed to do that. I thought, um, you know, when when you start telling people how you are, they start judging you. And and right now, my friend, I, I could care less who judges me. Um, I, I it, you know, you 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 deal with so much stuff, especially, and I'm just talking about in the 36 months span, right. Let alone the 47 years I've been on this earth, right. And let's say the third, you know, the 44, 45 years that, that I remember, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the 40, 39, 40 years that I remember. And, and like I said, they weren't all pleasant thoughts. Right. So now, you know, like I said, my, my, my gift that that God has given me is, is, as I think I'm really good with people and I'm understanding, but I've always said this, who helps that person that's always taken on everyone's responsibility. So you know that word depression, you know, means so much because it's real. And at, I, I thought I was weak to say that I'm I'm severely depressed. And you know, hey book, you know, I thought you, I think you're a strong guy. Well, you don't you don't know me, you know, right. because again, part of it I'm pretending. I don't want anyone to see me cry. I don't want anyone to see me sad. I don't want anyone to see me um not where I think that I should be in perception. You know, I still want people to perceive that I'm you know I I'm okay. Right. But now I'm like. You know, Jamal, I'm I'm doing that for what
2: I mean it had to be crazy you know you talk about the 36 months I mean like you said the FBI breaks down your door you're an assistant coach you basically made it out of like like you're saying you're doing something you're doing something very productive uh working with kids uh you you're doing what what basically your job description is recruiting doing what what any assistant coach would do meanwhile you get charged you get you have to plead guilty 7 of the 9 people convicted or 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 who pleaded guilty in this whole scandal were black um meanwhile the head coaches that you work for um still st- still have have jobs <laughs> they still they still coach it. they they're on uh, FBI wiretaps and all that did you feel scapegoated from from day 1
1: from day 1 I didn't Jamal. I didn't know what it was you know because I still I was still trying to figure out what crime did I commit you know, when the FBI is involved, it's like, what crime did you commit? And even when they started talking white collar crime, I'm like, well, let me know what I did. I Okay, you know, th- this is what I did. I didn't, I didn't see who I bribed. I, I also didn't see who I harmed. And after this thing happens, you know, the more information that you get, yeah, you know, you feel scapegoated, you feel railroaded. And, and you just start to ask yourself, when the FBI shows up, they're not there for, for, for fun. They're there to ruin your life. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's you know to go to jail right because i've heard man book you went to jail for 90 days you know how man that's nothing to a guy that spent, spent his whole life not in jail the shock of going to jail at 44. the shock of everything being public the shock of everything that falls i mean like tumbling all over you the shock of trying to just keep it together so you know as, as you go through the as you go through this stuff this transformation you, you wonder like what did I do because you're still right. saying obviously I had to do something right that they, the United States government they're not just going to pick on me so it's like man well, am I oh but they and did they, <laughs> you
2: know, they did because really what I, they did even even the law even what they charged you with was basically something that they made up you know what I'm saying they that 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 law had never been like people had never been thrown in jail doing the exact same thing before they had to create a scenario where where they're saying that you defrauded the university. <laughs> you know, like no one, no one had heard of that, uh, that theory before. So they did in, in effect pick on all of y'all.
0: Hey, book, J- Jamal is a lawyer, so he read the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> so and that that was the thing too. It's like when you like we defrauded,
1: it's like defrauded, we helped. Right. What are you talking about? The and goal is talent in the in the in the country to the universities that wasn't helping That wasn't helping. Book Richardson. Oh yes, it was, how? Right. It wasn't like I had a quota, if you get four McDonald's on Americans, guess what? Oh man, you're gonna be a head coach. No, you know what helped me? Winning at the university, that's what helped me. So therefore you go get the best players to help you win. The more you win, the better you have an opportunity to get another, to be a head coach. Right. But by the way, who's paying you? Arizona. So right. if, if you get the best talent and, and you guys are winning, you're gonna be able to get a raise. Oh, so I get it. So I cheated to get better players to up Arizona, so I get a raise. Okay, but I defunded you. Okay, because I always say this, man. No kid was ever hurt. Right. When you say who was hurt, the black assistant coaches were hurt. I'll never coach college again. I don't have a job. It's been three years. I have no. Again, like I I can keep saying what I don't have, and by the way, what I I know, what I do have, I'm I'm fully functional. College graduated black man, proud, strong, um, and, and who wants who, who's who's looking for another chance. It's been thirty six months. So when, when you say that, you know, again, I I always just I cringe because it's like, okay, right? I, I pay I pay my debt to society. I pay my punk ass ninety days, right, man. So so now what? And here, here's what you do. Now you give me two years of probation. Right.
2: Has anybody has anybody reached out to you, like like coaches you coached under or all that?
1: Lorenzo Romar reached out, you know, Damon Stademeyer, um, Ash Howard, Jeff Arnold, you know, to name a few. It's just, you know, part of it is, you know, a couple of guys, like Conzo Martin said, Hey, you know, Book, I'm I'm sorry. You know, I, I should have been there for you. And it's like, you know, as sincere as as sincere as I know those guys are, you know, I needed that a year and a half ago as I was really going through this thing. You know, again, I contemplated suicide on multiple occasions because I wanted this pain to stop. And I figured if 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 I died, then guess what? My my secrets will die
0: with me. Now that you're back with the Gauchos, um how do you like? I, I had a conversation with you, and I said um, I also doubt college, but I I can see the NBA. Like I I. I I see that because and I'm only saying that book because I've seen a lot sure. of people <laughs> in in working in the NBA under the guys that they're scalps now and but they have they have their secrets with them too. So do you see that as a possibility? You shook you shook your hand no, but you know, what do you what do you think? I don't.
1: You know, I I don't know what my band will be. I don't know what my show calls will be. You know, it might be a lifetime band from college. And again, it's that's part of the depression of now trying to you know deal with that because everyone's book snap out of it. Snap out of what? Like when what, what it's, it's been taken that abruptly um, in the NBA. You know, there's in, in college there's 351 division one teams and the NBA is 30 and they recycle.
0: Right.
1: And that's truly really, you know something. With so, someone would have to give me an opportunity. You know, I've seen college coaches, you know, talk about Black Lives Matter, and it's like, well, you're right, they do hire me. I would be the cautionary tale. Right, right. You know, again, I, I I didn't, I didn't get in trouble for touching a kid. You know, and and like I said, I'm, I'm not trying to scale it down, but I'm, I'm saying like the truth of the matter: am I, am I just perishable? Am I, am, am I the dude that you just throw away? Because again, I think I still have, I think I add value. I think, I, I think I add talent. I think I have talent, but I think I have value to to a program. And you don't. And you know, you can say, "Hey, you know what? We're not. We're not going to let him recruit. He's going to deal with the kids on campus. He's going. Once our guys get here, that's going. You know what? That's going to be their, their mentor slash coach. While we're on the road, he's always home with them. But I just say, like, no. No one wants to do that. The NCAA could easily said, "Listen, we're going to hire you, and we're going to put you on enforcement." The United States government, when when they find you hack, when they find a hacker, they usually right. hire them. Right, that's true. But there, there's so many things that they, they want me to go away. They they want me to wither. They want me to die. And I'm telling you, I felt like that at times. Like, why why don't I just die? Won't I want to. You know, I'm I'm glad I, you know, just put a gun in your mouth and, and, and pull a trigger. Because yeah. when people look at you, uh, man, you risk your career for twenty thousand dollars. Whether they feel that or or not, they say it. Right, you you know that you you you're, you're the famous guy. Now I'm I'm very infamous. I was again doing a job that, that no one, through the history of the sport, had said was wrong.
2: Right. Right, right. and then and nope. then the people the people you worked under haven't been punished. So how wrong was it?
0: Right. What, what's his name? Uh, Wade still has his job at LSU. We know Sean Miller. Um,
2: Bunch of himself was on was on tape right right it's like it's like i mean it's so that's what i'm saying i I feel feel,
0: exactly what you're saying
2: like it's just just like the ultimate you know everything everything we're talking about now with all this stuff george floyd all this stuff the systemic racism i mean that is that's the epitome yeah they go in and they just cherry pick some dudes who who can take the fall for for basically a billion dollar organization which is the the ncaa so I mean, it's just—I mean, I just think the—the the only thing you can do is keep, keep telling this, keep telling the story, so more people who aren't paying attention to this obvious, these obvious wrongs can hear about
1: it. But it, part of it, Jamal, I—I I think you have to say to yourself, as moral, as we look at it, as morally wrong. Right. But you know, again, you talk about a systematic oppression. The head coaches. From some of these major universities, they make in excess of five, six, seven million dollars a year. What else could they do in life to, to to make that type of money? That's number one. Right. Number two. Right. If if I can pay you six million dollars a year, what am I? What can I make?
0: Right.
1: Because we never look at college, college athletic as business. It's 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 a business. It's a free market. But we use this nasty, silly little word called amateurism, and it's, it doesn't exist. Right. And COVID nineteen has showed everyone it doesn't exist. That's right. why you're playing college football right now, right? With no
2: That's kids on campus.
0: Play. No kids on campus. We're playing <laughs> they play, football. They play
2: games. No and, kids on campus.
0: The, and then the president says the other night on TV, "I got the big was it Big Ten?
2: Yep. Back big in 10, order. Back twelve. They're
0: playing football. That's for your politics. Stop it. But go ahead. <laughs> so you
1: know when you just look at that, who who, who, who is the entertainer? When we go to a movie and 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 and, and we see uh, Aegis Elba, he's already paid. So we could give him all the bad reviews we want. He's already paid. These kids, this is live entertainment. And I've always said, you know, um, this is the last form of modern slavery. Book oh, you're extreme. The 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 entertainers, the workers aren't being paid.
0: Right, right.
1: Not not being paid. They're then being told, we give you a scholarship. We what do? So right. let's say 50%, let, let, I don't know the numbers, but let's just say 50% of these kids, would they would qualify for full financial aid. Then what? Do, do you pay them their market value? Right. right. Because if I'm at a school that sells out for 30 years and they're not there just to, oh, the coach. No, they're there to see the talent. They want to see the coach coach that talent. Right. right. But they, the- they are there to see the talent. Of course. They're there for the movie. Of course. It's just, you have the theater. They want to see the movie. No, and they will see that 18 times a year.
2: And it's all, it's all, it's similar to like, even, even the drug, like the marijuana situation where, you know, you locked up people for, for years and years for, for selling marijuana illegally, then they make it, then they make it illegal. What happens to those people? You know, here, eventually they're good. They're going to pay, they're going to pay kids something. So what happens to the people that you punished previously for doing, for doing Stop what was, what should have been done a long time ago?
1: Sorry. Again, it's 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 prohibition,
0: right? Mm-hmm.
1: But the difference in prohibition, those guys became multimillionaires, and they now run the country, right? The families run the country. So again, again, what's going to happen to Book Richardson? Hopefully, Book Richardson can become a a library teacher in the middle school. <laughs> because,
2: or he bring, or he bring gauch- the Gaucho's back to 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 their uh, his, <laughs> to 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 the you know, to the heights they used to be at.
1: And, and that, and that's what you have to bank on. That you know, uh, I'm the I'm the most overqualified boys director in the country, and I say that with all due respect. But I'm the most overqualified guy. Who again, I'm here every day. You know, and this is this is your gig. And you start to say like, man, this is th- this isn't my my, my part time job. This is what I do. Right. Right. You know, as as much as I'd love to bring the Gaucho's back to prominence, it's 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 going to be tough, and I'm going to do everything I can to to get us there. It's a di- it's di- different different landscape. Right, totally I gonna, different.
2: I was going to ask you that. So now the new lambs the new landscape. Is it even possible like you said? Is it even possible to have any program dominate like that because it's so saturated now? Is it is it a completely different game?
1: Completely different, and that word saturate you know saturation means the most because before when you had to make a team. Now, if your if your son's halfway decent and he and you don't like what the one coach is saying to him, you go well. You'll take him and go make your own team. And the, the, there's this phenomena of middle school travel, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. <laughs> it's it, you start to say, how does this happen? Well, I'm traveling these young kids once a month in the, in, in, in the in the fall winter. And now, guess what? There's rankings. There's gear. So you are now dealing with a 12-year-old kid, and you're telling him he's the best 12-year-old in the country. But on the flip side, as we identify talent, on the flip side, if Justin Bieber, who was who was discovered by Usher, right, one of those guys,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he was allowed to make money at 12, or his parents were. That's right. why, can't, why can't that 12-year-old black kid make money?
2: Right, he and that twelve-year-old black. He has followers, and you know Instagram. That's money right there.
0: Name and name and imaging likeness. What, what's going right.
1: to what happen?
0: That's going to change the game. That name and imaging likeness is going to change the game. I just looked on the uh, Instagram the other day and saw Mikey. The kid Mikey has a million followers. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> a yeah, million don't, matter, followers. don't matter where
2: he go to, to go to school. He could. He can. He can, to he can go Carolina. to a HBCU. Right right
0: right people
2: people are going to find that game because they know millions of people so that's
0: are. so that's a that's a game changer and i i agree with book man it's time to, it's time to pay pay uh it is i call it a, i mean some people call it a slave game i call it a pimp game that's that's what it is you know you pimping off of our, our off of our resources um that you know you would never even be involved with if they didn't have a special talent right so you're leeching onto them, making money off of them. And we have to do a better job, um, those that, us, that of us that are on the ground, of honing our talent and giving these kids the jewels to know what the hell is going on. Because a lot of times they don't even know what's going on and neither do the parents until it's too late. And even when the parents, because that that's the thing too, now the parents
1: are trying to get involved and they think they know the business structure and, and they don't. Facts. You know, and, and like I said, it's just it's one of those things, man. As I fight emotion, it's, it, it it takes you in so many different places because you're just like I, I watched the debate the other day and I'm saying, is this what our country comes to? I'm looking at Donald Trump and I'm looking at Joe Biden. I'm saying, these guys are calling each other's clowns. This, this. he says <laughs> tons of crackhead. Like this was an episode from Jerry Springer. Yeah, no it question. It's crazy. If it was us, they call it the hood.
2: Uh, yeah, that's what that was. We we that was we the were. Hood.
1: We would not get that platform to do that, ever. So, Book, where you going with this? As they have the platform to always tell us what's right, we don't police ourselves to to say, hey, you know what? There's a kid that's going to this school. There's a kid that's going to this school. Well, why do you want that? Because we we want the balance of power. We don't talk about the commission. Well, Book, you keep saying this word, the commission. Yeah, I say the commission because we're we're strong enough to say, no, when you come to New York to recruit, you, you're going to sit with somebody from the member of the families. Right. And if you don't, and if you don't do right, you won't get a kid, you or anybody in your, in, in, you know, in, in your coaching tree. Back. And if you don't, right, if, 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 if you say, well, I'm not, I'm not sitting down with y'all. All right, no problem. Right. Turn it, turn the water all the way off. Turn the faucet off. Yep. Is
2: that something you can do now from your from your current position?
1: Part of having that coalition is just like those debates, right? We talk about, hey, these not, the 1994 crime bill with, with Joe Biden. Why don't we do that with coaches? Hey, in 1994, you had these kids like <laughs> right. this. Or you, you, the way you recruited was like this. We don't hold coaches accountable.
2: Right. right. Only, only black assistant coaches.
1: Only black assistant and coaches. And
2: for, for something they shouldn't even have been held accountable for. Right. Now... The current situation. What you know? What does it look like out there in terms of talent? I know you already mentioned the game has changed in terms of pa- parents acting differently, wanting to become more involved. What's the talent like in New York City? Is is it on? A, is it on the level? Is it? Are we lacking?
1: We're, we're talented, you know, young. But I, I would say this: we have to do a better job of keeping the talent here, where we where those guys, where we can make sure that they're going to. Um, graduate and get everything that they need. We also have to do a better job of, of, of you know, uniting, and, and not, not even uniting, but just um, coexisting, because the AU coaches don't like the high school coaches. The high school coaches don't like the AU coaches. It's silly. And if we, you know, Khalid was a was a high school coach at Bishop Lachlan. We had the greatest relationship. You know why? Because I respected what he did and I supported what he did. Right. And it wasn't that we got a kid. That happened I, I, that happened before we even got a kid from Lachlan. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, the goal is to truly help the kid get to where he's supposed to get to. If a kid's a pro and he gets there, you did your job. If the kid's a division one kid and you did your job, you, you're you great. If a kid's a division three player and he got to where he was supposed to get to, you did your job. Right. Now it's right. all to the next one. Right.
2: What's more important, AAU right now, nowadays, AAU or high school?
1: I think um unfortunately AU becomes so so important because aU've always equate, I've always equated AU to the NBA like when you look at the bubble right now, that's nBA that's AU at its finest
0: that's all it is.
1: <laughs> you play one game a day every other day, all the teams are at the same venue that's Vegas, that's the super showcase yep but AU won't get credit for that right it's the, it's the, AAU is the dirty stepchild that everyone is like, man, why, why do you treat it like, why, why do you treat it that way? So AAU and the NBA, they kind of merge. Then high school and college, because of the rules, right? If you transfer in, in high school and you transfer in college, you got to sit out. Right. Well, if you leave a team in in, wow. in, in AAU, you, you can play shit maybe <laughs> next week. Right. You can get right. again. There's you can trade in the NBA. There's no trading in college or high school. So the 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 over, the overwhelming correlation is we're going to be attracted more to the AAU. It's going to get more. It's, it's going to get more focus. Why? Because you also have a superior talent. You have you know two or three of the best kids on everyone's high school team versus those guys just playing together. Right. So it's easier to navigate in terms of talent.
2: Before we let you go, what do you envision for the Gauchos? Come, you know, where where would you like to to get them now that they aren't where they that they aren't there yet?
1: I I love to have more stability. I I love for our culture to be a certain way in terms of um buy-in. Um right now, you know, we have situations where um there hasn't been a lot of buy-in and and into their defense. They didn't, you know, sometimes when you don't know how something looks, it's tough for you to follow. And I think, especially with our our coaches, you know, keeping our coaches coaches um, stacked, meaning keep them as talented as, as talented as the coaches are. I think you can get talent. I think they can help with talented kids. Yeah. I think having um, you know, other than the, the 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 culture here, you know, going to, going to go get some size across the city because I think we can compete at every level. And like I said, just ha- ha, you know, ha- having our guys be able to adapt and adjust to to what greatness looks like because everyone tells me they want to
0: be great and i'm like have you ever been great right thank you emmanuel i'm gonna put your government out there <laughs> <laughs> book richardson <laughs> he knew i had to get him at something <laughs> nah we love we we really appreciate your time book for real and, and your heartfelt words and your passion and you know we you know i'm rooting for you no i know that and i appreciate you guys man and like i said this is
1: you know, being able to talk about stuff like depression is, is therapeutic because yeah, you know, I, I tried to hide and I can't hide anymore. I'm broken. Um, I've lost a lot. Um and I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to try to just, you know, be sustained um and everything I can and just be normal as best I can. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, we definitely definitely rooting for you. And you obviously you got a lot of talent, so I don't doubt that uh, you can do some great things with the Gauchos. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, Thank
0: bro. you. All
1: right.